Hello guys and welcome to the Peaks and Valleys podcast. On this podcast, we talk coffee, culture, and mental health. I'm your host, Jonathan Coggins, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle Ridgely. What's up guys? My name is Kyle. So glad you're joining us and I hope you enjoy this episode. What is up, my Peaks and Valleys fam? Welcome back to the Peaks and Valleys podcast, season three. It is amazing to be back with you guys finally after um, our break of season two and a little bit of a hiatus. Um, My name's Jonathan Coggins. Um, This is the Peaks and Valleys podcast, and I'm joined by my co-host, As we always say, the one and only Mr. Kyle Ridgely. What's up? Kyle, how you doing, man? How you doing? I mean, I'm holding up. Um, It's been a pretty busy start to 2021. A lot of things going on and uh, just a lot of of things. Yeah. I got a lot to say. A lot of things. Yeah, dude. I, I feel that. 2021 so far has been a ride. It's can't discount it's been a fun ride you know mm-hmm. some challenges but there's, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we are both so glad to like i said be back with you guys um launch this season three um got some really good content really good ideas coming up for you guys in season three um some really um, good guests we got in the works some good conversations so so super excited to um, like i said jump back in i've i've missed it so much um Man, let's let's just start with kind of a because we we didn't get to do it, um, kind of a season two recap. And the really thing I want to focus on is, um, Kyle, I'll start with you, and then you know I'll you know I'll do mine. What was your in season two? What what was your your favorite episode that we did, and and why was that your favorite episode? I feel like the episode. Uh... With the social location, stepping into someone's social location. That I think that's one. been such a big uh, kind of topic um, in this season, uh, 2020 in general, and then the uh, beginning of 2021. Uh, just really focusing on stepping outside of my own comfort zone, stepping outside of my own biases or preconceived notions, and entering into someone else's social location um, without any barriers or without any prejudgments or anything. But yeah, I think that was one of my favorite episodes. That was, that, that was a really good one. Yeah. I I love that one, man. Um, Just that idea of man, just kind of laying down our own lens of a view in the world and like, you know, stepping into the way somebody else views the world and, Mm. Being able to really just understand where people are culturally, socially, like that's just so powerful. Stepping into somebody else's experience, the way they view the world. Mm. Um, so yeah, that that was a good one, man. Um, I would say for me, probably my favorite um, is um, the one that we talked about: trauma informed care, mm. um, not filtering people, accepting people just as they are. Uh, they're their their baggage, their mess, their mm. joys, their just just everything about a person. Um, not only did I enjoy that episode because coffee was the analogy, because obviously we love coffee in this podcast. <laughs> um, 
But like just because I've personally just been like kind of walking through my own understanding my own trauma mm. and then really understanding um what what you know complex trauma is what trauma informed care is you know how to walk along some some somebody that's you know kind of experiencing trauma in their life um and so just being able to just kind of walk through the, all all these things personally and, and, and learn about trauma and then, you know, just be able to flesh that out in a conversation on the podcast. You know, I love that, you know, kind of applying what I've learned and walked through um, in a conversation with you, Kyle. So that, that was probably my, definitely my favorite episode, man. Um, but, but season two overall was just, I mean, so fun. We had some great guests, great episodes. Um, I mean, we talked about, you know, social justice with EJ, which was a powerful episode, and mm-hmm. um, gender inequality with two ladies that are that are dear to us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, season two was just a lot of fun with some great conversations. Um, so, yeah, man. Um, the red pill episode. The red pill episode? <laughs> no, oh. the red pill episodes. That's what I feel like this season, season uh, two was. <laughs> Like, you know, everybody's talking about being woke and all that Uh, stuff like that. So I feel like a lot of these topics were like that red pill moment, you know? (laughs) We've been red-pilled. Yeah. We're woke. Uh Uh-oh. All right, guys. So let's just dive into um, our first episode of Season 3. Um kind of a a framework for what we're going to be talking about. Um, We're going to be talking about the church and mental health and how we can, just for the broader culture, um, be instruments of just healing and change um, beyond the the continuum of care for mental health, which we'll talk about in this episode, Um, but how, how we can make a lasting impact in people's lives. Um, in this area of mental health. And so what, what we really want to start with is um, to kind of get a, give a basic foundation of what is the mental health. Um, I'll, I'll start us out with kind of um, probably a, an analogy you've heard before. Um, and then Kyle, let me, let me hear your thoughts. Um, but, but the, the way that I always um, think about mental health and um, how it kind of correlates to our physical health, you know, thinking about, you know, you roll an ankle or you break an arm, um, you're, you're going to go see a doctor for that. You know, you're going to go to the emergency room, you're going to the hospital, you're probably going to take pain medication, you know, you're you're gonna go seek medical healing for, you know, whatever physical ailment you have. Oftentimes in our lives, um, whether it be you know trauma, PTSD, depression, anxiety, um, there is often you know biological or 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 mental ailments or sprains or breaks that we have um, that we can go and see a doctor about. You know, we can, we can go and sit down with a counselor 
and they can walk us through um, some healing for, you know, these parts of, you know, our mind that might be broken, you know, or anything biological that's that's affecting, you know, our mind that's broken, like, and, and so this idea that our, our, our brain can, can be hurt and broken just as much as our physical body, and so we can go and, and see a doctor, we can go and, and, and seek those professionals for healing and recovery in our mental health, um, again, whether that be sitting down with a counselor or, you know, maybe it's taking medicine for some people, um, so that that's kind of how I've, you know, really always thought about mental health and kind of correlating that to, to physical ailments and stuff. Um, Kyle, what's your kind of your foundational thoughts of what is mental health? How have you thought about it? Um, get, give us give us your thoughts, man. Yeah. Well, I think first of all we have to come to an understanding that there is a lot of uh, stigma surrounding the topic of mental health um there's a lot of uh misunderstandings about what that is or what that may be or how it may affect people or um, an individual um so i think for for me it's coming to that place of you know educating yourself a little bit more about what it actually means um what it means for someone who is walking um, in their own mental health journey. Um, for me, um, I've struggled with depression and anxiety, uh, for years and, um, really became, uh, a, a hard, I guess you'd say a struggle for me. It was very heavy when I was in college. Um, really didn't, I still had a little bit of depression and anxiety a little bit here and there, but in college that was really when it hit me, um, to a point where I needed to ask for help, where I needed to go, uh, see someone and just talk out some things, figure some things out. Um, and so I think for me coming to a place where I understood my own mental health journey helped me understand other people's mental health journeys. That um, everything that you see or whatever tool or whatever it may be that can help you through your mental health journey is not a one-size-fits-all. Like, Everything you seek out for recovery or anything that you uh, try to go through to, to help yourself through uh, your own mental health struggles, um, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's not cut and dry. It's this, this approach may not help everyone. It might be a combination of a few or one uh, type of uh, resource or help for uh, you as an individual. So I think un coming from that place in the beginning understanding that there are certain biases, there are certain preconceived notions that we have as an individual, whether that could be attributed to culture, gender, a uh, number of different things, uh, socio-environmental uh, contributions, your social group, uh, a lot of different things can kind of bring up some, some misconceptions, if you will, about what mental health is. So that's kind of when I approach it, I look at that first. So yeah, that's that's good, man. And I, I love the point you made about, um, like me, you know, walking through my own mental health struggles, and and actually taking those steps, and you know, you know, going and going to a counselor and, and seeking out that help. It can actually help me 
like you said, it can help lead, you know, understand somebody else's mental health struggle and kind of destigmatize things and say, Hey, like I've, I've walked through this as well. Like I've, mm. I've raised that hand too. Like it's, it's okay if you raise your hand and say, Hey, I, I, I need help with my mental health. I'm, I'm depressed. I need, well, like I have this, let's, let's help you find help. Let's, let's, you need to go see a counselor. Like, let's say, you know, like I love that you pointed that out that, you know, when we're honest, you know, we can allow other people to be honest. Um, that's that's good, man. Um, I want to move into um, and Kyle. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this over to you. Um, I'm gonna move into um, for the church, like um, because Kyle, I I know you've you've done a lot of research and, and really kind of looked into a lot of this particular thing historically, like where the church has been on this mental health um and kind of the trajectory we've moved you know and you know we'll 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 move into like where we are now but just give us kind of a framework of like research that you've done things that you know like historically as far as mental health and things like that where the church has been Mm -hmm. what what i've seen just in my own research and just my experience um on how the church has approached this particular topic of mental health and particularly how the church, how, how much should the church be involved in this topic or how, how, what, what, what should we do as the church to help others who are struggling in their mental health journeys? So uh, what I see, there's two, uh, ma- two overarching kind of schools of thought that I see in the church over the past 50 years or so and into present day. Uh, one side is that, uh, which is very extreme, which is we should reject all secular psychologies and all of those things, and it's only the Bible that we build our foundation for caring for people. The other side is that um, that, that that those things like psycho- secular psychologies and things of that nature can help people in their mental health journey as well as the church can help alongside that journey as well whether that's meeting with a pastor whether that's in a uh, group of 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 like-minded individuals in a support group or maybe a bible study a family group things like that uh, that can support you through that journey so those are the two kind of main schools of thought that i've seen with this kind of uh, thought process Um, and then undergirded in that those two kind of schools of thought um, is that how how far can the church uh, go as far as uh, helping an individual in their mental health struggles? Um, there's a lot of factors to that, whether that's legal implications or also when it requires some type of professional intervention or a professional who is trained uh, to work with this particular mental health struggle. Um, so one word is the referral. So pastors, if they're meeting with someone and they're sensing that they may need to go see a professional, referring to a professional, um, knowing that that professional could help them more than what a pastor or beyond the pastor's experience or education um, or licensure or whatever. Um, Some pastors uh, may have had some type of uh, pastoral clinical education, which is basically 
similar to chaplaincy or they could have had some type of counseling, basic counseling training in seminary. Um, but most pastors don't have any a license, state licensure as a mental health counselor or what have you. Um, so referral uh, may be necessary. Um, so there, there's that undergirding there of how, how much can the church help? How much should the church help? And what level of care as a pastor can uh, we provide as a church? And so I think with those schools of thought and plus that kind of undergirding factor, um, we've kind of seen just overall and, and just, just things that I've heard, things that I've researched and I, that I've experienced myself within the church and working on a church staff is that when, when we refer, should we refer and then just kind of, there's almost this sense of we, we can't handle that. That's not our area of expertise. So we should just kind of defer out and refer out. And so understanding that the church can be also be a level of care for individuals who may be walking through a season of grief or depression or anxiety, any number of mental health struggles that we as the church can still be a support in a sense to this individual. Um, and reality is, is that we sometimes I think we we over we over um, emphasize the referral to mean in a sense that we're we're just pushing them out. It's it's done. We can't handle this, so we're just gonna based on what we know. I can't handle that. I don't know too much about it. Uh, that's what I've kind of seen as the trend is like we're just gonna refer all the way out, and then it's it's out of our hands at this point. And so what we're left with is that. There's this there's this level that, of care that we could be providing as the church that we're not necessarily providing. Now I'm not saying all churches, but I'm saying that there's there's a trend in in a lot of churches where there's not really a pastoral care team. There's not really a, a care ministry that walks alongside people with many different struggles in life, whether that may be poverty, whether that may be uh, grief, whether that may be uh, trauma or any of those number of things. Um, and there are churches who do uh, utilize a lot of support group curriculums such as uh, grief share, divorce care. Those are some great support group curriculums and I've seen a lot of people benefit from those um, types of uh, support group curriculums, um, particularly with um, Reboot Recovery, which emphasizes uh, kind of a support group curriculum um, surrounding uh, military veterans and then also first responders. So how, how, how do we as the church continue to be a support within that continuum of care? How can we do that? So that's what I've kind of seen as a trend. And we've mentioned several times in this podcast um, through other episodes about kind of historically where the church has been in these types of topics. Um, and before, I mean, 50, 60 years before, um, the church, you know, was in the business of helping people. Um, the church founded hospitals. They founded social service type of ministries. They, they funded these, these types of financial assistance and things like that. Uh, we haven't always done it well. Um, but that was where the church was for the longest time. We were in the midst of, we were the first responders in the disasters and things like that. 
Um, and as time went on, there have been great organizations that um, aren't necessarily attached to the church that have done great groundwork in, in just overall, overall supporting people who are struggling in life and things like that. So just seeing that as an overall full kind of picture, kind of a synopsis, if you will, of kind of where the, where the church has been for the last 50 to 60 years on these topics, whether it's the one far side Secular psychology should not be implemented. We should not think in that way. It should be the Bible as our firm foundation and nothing else. But then you have uh, another school of thought that I mentioned that is surrounded by this place of integration and understanding that there are more parts to a person than just the spiritual side, that there's also physical, there's also mental, there's also relational and emotional and all these things from a holistic standpoint um, that we have to understand as pastors, shepherds, lay people, leaders, whomever is a part of the church, just understanding that there's more to a person than just this one side, you know, so. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, and the, I really like the the doctrine of, you know, common grace where... Um, where you know the the things like secular psychology like there is some common grace in that like there are you know a lot of great aspects of secular psychology that can be applied to helping people mm-hmm. you know um within and without the church you mm-hmm. know um question for you and I don't I don't know if you've you've seen this um do do you think the rejection of secular psychology within the church do you, i mean have you have you like kind of pinpointed where that came from whether that was because secular psychology was a humanistic idea or because of um you know kind of the the the, the freudian ideals behind it like do you, do you kind of know like why that complete rejection yeah well there there's a there's really a lot of layers to that but one of the main themes that i see commonly recurring as the church has developed their own way of, of looking at uh, this particular topic, uh, one in particular uh, was a gentleman by the name of Jay Adams. If anybody's ever heard of Jay Adams, he's like the fa- father of the biblical counseling movement. Um, and if you've read any of his books, you can see this shifting of kind of the denial of, of kind of this this platform of the the mental health kind of secular psychologies and moving into more of a biblical approach and a biblical foundation particularly to um, biblical anthropology which is the study of man and who god created man to be and what our main problem is which is our hearts and things like that and that our hearts have to be changed before all those other things in our life begin to change and so that that's one i think that's one in particular um, and now I'm not just pin, pinpointing this one man, Jay Adams, as this person who made this this happen. This this kind of uh, dissecting, yeah. if you will, or kind I mean, of divergent. I mean, it sounds like that's a that's been a piece. That was a pretty significant, mm-hmm. you know, kind of shift yeah. in like, yeah, you know, yeah. And and if you read his writings, um, it 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 does kind of hit you in the face. Pretty, pretty quickly, you can definitely tell the difference. Um, but understanding that when you do do your research, try to be neutral in, in everything that you read. Because 
you might not agree with everything right that you agree that you read or that you research but just having a whole over arching view of all different types of perspectives uh, is going to really help in in your journey to become more educated in these things and and particularly how the church can grow and how the church can approach uh, these particular topics um i think another another idea that has contributed to this is also uh humanism so uh, the fear was surrounded by how humanism had encroached on psychology um and so that has been another overarching theme that i've seen for kind of a rejection of those the secular psychologies within the church is because the that that humanistic thinking um, of, of people and life and things like that. Um, I'd say another, um, this will be a third, uh, another idea within this would be the integrationalist approach. So integrationalism is basically, basically a, a professional mental health counselor who is also a Christian who integrates the approach of biblical teachings, Christian thought, and merges both of those two together as an integrated approach. Some have had, uh, within the church, have had, it's varied, varied in opinion on this issue, but there are some, maybe more in the conservative uh, wing of thinking, would say that that we should not integrate. It should be a one approach, a Christian approach to care, and then there are also those who which believe is, that integrationalism is, is more of a holistic view yeah. of a person. So. Which is, which is, I mean, fun, fundamentalism. I mean, like we 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 can't take any kind of, you know, man-made thought and like use it as a tool or integrate it into mm-hmm. like into Christian thought. Like it's just just fundamentalism, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, those, those are three main overarching themes that I've seen that have kind of uh, kind of pushed the church in different directions, if you will, on this topic. Um, and whether how far we, we uh, how much we should care and how we should care, what, what lens should we care through. Um, and so, yeah, so those are kind of three overarching themes that I see predominantly within the church that has kind of been this kind of... Uh, back and forth if you will yeah on, the, on approaching this yeah well well thanks for sharing this man like in like the one of the biggest reasons i asked you to because I, I i i feel like it's it's a it's good to kind of have that historical kind of framework mm-hmm. where we've been understanding how we've gotten where we are mm-hmm. so so we don't repeat some mm-hmm. not so helpful things yeah. and so we can progress forward yeah. care for people well mm-hmm. you know yeah. And there, there are obviously there's more contributing factors to this than just those three, yeah. or yeah. just that that kind of overarching view of the history of, of this topic within the church. But those are kind of some main things and main themes that I've seen yeah. throughout. So, well, those, those are definitely you know super super helpful to know. Thanks for sharing, man. And uh, last thing I want to hit on on this 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 particular part of the conversation before we move into um, the next thing is. Um, I, I think you kind of alluded to it, um, but the over-spiritualization of things. I um, mean, you, you, you hit on the stigmas and the misunderstandings, but, you know, there's also the the over-spiritualization of this. Um, 
you know, the, the, the way you kind of alluded to it was, you know, we, we only have this approach where we only use the Bible and like, that's it. We don't care, care for people any other way. And I, I feel like that's just a super, again, over-spiritualization of it where we, you say this all the time, Kyle, like we, we can't forget about the human experience, right? And, and a, your, your mind or your brain being sprained or broken, that, that, that's a human experience that we should deeply care about, you know, that we should be able to say, I'm not only going to care about your spiritual needs, I'm also going to say, hey, like, you're, you're suffering with some deep depression, you're having suicidal thoughts, I'm going to I'm gonna walk alongside you and get you some help, mm-hmm. you know, because I care about you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, I, I think we just... And again, like it, it sounds like you know, based on some historical things you you pointed us to, and like there was a lot of over spiritualization. Um, I, I'm I'm seeing more and more in Christian culture that that is becoming a minority. That there there is a broader welcoming to the conversation of mental health and you know secular psychology and counseling. Um, and so that's encouraging. Um, but I, think, I think one of those things is when we look at uh, the secular psychologies, these professionals who have worked with people for decades and have built research around this topic, mm-hmm. it's a wealth wealth of knowledge and so these people care literally secular psychologists or whatever you'd want to identify them as is that they really do care for people and they spent decades pouring themselves into this work of doing this research figuring out there's a lot of knowledge and, and wealth to be learned from uh secular psychologists yes a wealth and so i think that the church can can approach that with an with an open mind and say, wow, these, these people have really understand that human experience. The side we typically tend to, not all churches, but we tend to kind of neglect because we see only the spiritual. And, and, in my opinion, you can't, you have to have a both, a both and it can't be too heavy experience and less of the spiritual or too much spiritual and less of the the experience i think they have to be balanced together is that the bible speaks to human experience it's filled with emotion and raw just just this 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 outpouring that there's a need there's just this great need that we have as humans um for healing for 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 a safety and for refuge and so we can't neglect that part because that's what led people in the Bible and what leads us as Christians to come to a, an understanding and knowledge that I need Jesus is the experience, this, the, this raw human experience that we all experience from, from birth to the grave. I mean, we, we all experience this. And so we cannot, as the church, neglect either of those things but i feel like they have to be balanced between the two yeah yeah and to to you know give give another thought and kind of expound on that that's um like 100 percent 
absolutely like you know our experiences drive us to the fact that we we have a healer in Jesus we have a refuge in Jesus like I'm 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 that's where I, that's where I want to go like you know I think also um our our human experience and like our sufferings and our mental health will drive us to realize that we need community. We don't need to be isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is, if we're driven to community, then we're, we're walking out the life that Jesus called us to walk, which was in community, you know? And I think that's a beautiful thing that, that too, like our experiences drive us to, I, I want to know this man, Jesus. I want to, he has healing. He has you know, refuge and, and, and liberation and, you know, all these um, things he gives us from, from, you know, his, his resurrection, you know, as victory. Um, and I think it's also a beautiful thing that it drives us to say, Hey, like I, I need people around me, you know, I don't need to isolate. I don't need to be alone. Like I'm suffering and I need people. Right. I, I think that that's, that's another beautiful thing of, um, what's, understanding mental health can drive us to you know um moving into um our last our next thing before not our last thing our next thing before before moving to the last thing and wrap up um you you mentioned it kyle you said the continuum of care um i really wanted to to you know kind of talk about that frame it you know expound upon that um, how we as lay people, um, people in the church, um, can, can, can and need to be on this continuum of care that we don't have to be that professional psychologist or counselor sitting in, you know, a session with a client. Like we can be on the continuum of care without being a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and, and, and we've mentioned this before, that doesn't mean we're, we're giving, Counseling that doesn't mean we're di- diagnosing people, um, but that means that we're present. We're present. We're we we're not letting people fall through the cracks. Like we're making sure that people are connected to the resources that they need. You know, practical Make, support. Practical support, right? Making sure they're they're finding, you know, that counselor, finding that support group for addiction, or like, you know. Um, so, so I mentioned, you know, like not letting people fall through the cracks. Kind of expound for us, you know, kind of your thoughts on what, what that means, what the continuum of care is, like how we can be a part of that. Because that is a, you know, I've, I've, I've found myself now being a part of that. And it is incredibly, it's not easy, but it it, it is incredibly, it's joyful, it is... Uh, it's just a beautiful thing just just to walk alongside people and and kind of take the components of just accepting people as they are not filtering mm-hmm. them like just accepting them as they are and just caring for them like so so being on this continuum like i said it, it's not easy but it is oh man is it is it's just it's just life-giving it's um it, it's just incredible so yeah just what what's your thoughts on the continuum of care how we can jump in right now and be a part of it and like make sure people aren't falling through the cracks yeah well first of all it really does take a village 
I mean, you can't you yes. can't really do yes. this life alone. And the more resources that we have in our individual communities where everyone is joining in together to support everyone as a whole, I think that's just awesome to see. Um, and and as, particularly for the church in general, I challenge uh, lay leaders and pastors and churches to join in in what is already happening in your community. Join into that. If there is an organization in your area that is already providing food needs, go there. See what they're doing. They have a plethora of resources. They they have so many connections within the community already. Why try to reinvent the wheel, per se, and try in your church to build this whole program out or whatever you the program type of ministry look at it as i'm gonna join in to what god is already doing within my community so whether it's a non-for-profit like social service type of organization try to join in in what they're doing support them maybe even provide an extra level of services in the community whether that might mean financial assistance. I've seen many, many stories of how just simply providing the community with, we have financial assistance, um, come in on a case-by-case basis, and we'll talk to you. And we, we you know, work with all different types of organizations to also have other resources to connect people to. But that has been something that I've seen, not just typically what, what has happened is churches they, they call the, the word is, the old word is called benevolence. Um, and it's just a fancy word uh, to provide a level of financial assistance to someone who may be in need or crisis or things like that. But typically what I've seen historically has been that financial assistance or benevolence is only offered within the people who attend the church. And that is just to me, it, it's a missed opportunity. It's a missed opportunity to serve the community. Um, if we provided not only financial assistance to those who were in the, the, the community of our church, but also the community at large, how much more of an impact, the stories, the lives that we can impact simply by providing that to the community, that's an extra way that the church could could support the community in that continual care. Also, uh, remember when I was also in uh uh, care ministry, working within care ministry at the last church that I was on staff at, uh, we provided support groups and we we put that out in the community and said, hey, we have a grief support group. We have a divorce care group. We have a, a trauma-related recovery-related group. Um, and so we have a women's group and a men's group who just talk about very different topics that uh, men or women may struggle with in their life. And so and, and it's the sky's the limit with those. There's so many different support groups, curriculums out there that could support the community and have that extra level of care within the community. Those those supports that the more supports you have cannot hurt. <laughs> you know, I mean, the more supports within your community, the better. And so how can we as the church do that? Join in and what god is already doing in your community whether that be in an underserved area whether that be with an organization find out where what god is doing already in your community and join in with that don't try to reinvent the wheel (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know so 
that's man that's that's solid man that's big facts mm-hmm. big that facts. is big facts uh, <laughs> yeah and I love the point you made about you know churches oftentimes will <clears throat> provide services or uh, financial assistance to only members of that church and and when I think of you know when I think of Jesus saying hey go out and take care of the least of these I, I don't think he meant the only people that signed a membership card at your church the exclusivity of yeah the exclusivity of it like it meant all of the least of these like when 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 I think of you know the idea of you know love your neighbors yourself you know mm-hmm. your neighbors everybody mm-hmm. you know and um love others as yourself you know the other like that's that's the connotation of everybody you know and so if if a uh, we as the church are not loving everybody whether they sign a membership card or not we we've missed Jesus mm-hmm. you know we we've missed Jesus fleshed out the way he's called us to mm-hmm. um so I, I love the way that you hit on that and how how we can be as the church on this continuum of care not being exclusive but really really truly loving mm-hmm. you know our neighbor and the others in our community well um and dude nail on the head partnering with your local organizations absolutely um you know uh, I, i'm sure i'm sure if you search you can find some incredible organizations that are doing some great mm-hmm. things at your community um that that probably need some hands and help right now um yeah seek those out uh you know go get involved go serve mm-hmm. um yeah. and i mean if there's if if once you do your digging and once you do your searching, if there are services that are not offered in your community, that other communities that you've seen, maybe surrounding communities that have benefited from, put resources into that. Put resources into that and provide it to your community. If there is easiest thing, uh, needs assessments, community needs assessments, where you're just simply reaching out to local organizations, you're doing simple Google searches, you are finding all of these resources in your community. It's a part of just building a resource library, if you will, a list of resources that you have vetted, that you have uh, sought out to see uh, what services they offer, what the requirements are for those services, things like that. You're going to find these things out within a uh, within a community needs assessment. If you find a service that is not offered in the community, that serves the community in a way that other communities are, but your community's not, do that. Find something. Join in. Maybe there's someone who's tried to do something that is missing in the community, and you find out. Join in with that person. Support them. Resource them to build their organization, or support them to get off the ground running and start doing those things. So, that I think another thing would be to to conduct your own simple community needs assessments. Build your resource library, and you'll find those areas that hey, we could do this in the community. You know, so yeah, yeah, that's good, man. Um, last last thing uh, we want to hit on really quickly before we end this episode. Um, like, what are just really maybe asking yourself? All right. 
you said all this great stuff. I'm on board. Where do I start? You know, what are, how do I put my hands to the plow? What are some tools? What are some resources? Um, and we will, we will link these in the, um, the show notes. Um, but the first one off the top of my head, and we've mentioned it before. We, we've posted this in, in show notes as we mentioned it, but it, it, it's always a great resource to, to, you know, a training to go through, to utilize, to, to have some basic knowledge as a layperson, to walk alongside somebody struggling in their mental health, to get them the help, help they need. It's called, um, mental health first aid. Um, what's, it's, it's got a minimal cost, I think. Is that correct? I think so. Maybe like 15, 20, it's not, it's not expensive at all. Um, but it, it just gives you foundational things as a layperson um, to, to have the basic knowledge to be able to walk alongside somebody struggling with mental health, how to get them help, how to how to go about seeking those resources in your community, um, so you know you have them ready to go. Um, you 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 know where to point them. Um, you said. Is is there any particular place that people can go to do a needs assessment, Kyle? Something that I could include in here? I mean, you could probably do a Google search that maybe there's a, a template out there for some kind of formal. Um, typically, when I when I did one, it wasn't as formal. Um, it was just simply starting to build a resource library, and it came from that. The connections and the it really comes to. A good community needs assessment is just connections. Okay. Building relationships. You will find the needs in the community easily by yeah. picking up the phone or going out to that organization and saying, Hey, right. I want to know what you do. Show me what you do here. Just tell me about the resources that you provide. Tell me how I can connect others to you. That right there is a community needs assessment. It's not as formal, but that is literally, it's the connections and relationships. Uh, there's no there's no replacement for that. I would not say, <laughs> you could create a formal document if you wanted to, but really and honestly, a basic grassroots community needs assessment is simply building the relationships, simply going out and making the connections. Um, I, I would say another good resource uh, for anyone to have on hand or saved on their uh their uh, tabs on their web browser that they ever whatever web browser you choose to use is 211.org great resource each 211 211 is just this overall supported uh, website it's it's free to go to and it lists you search your area the type of service that you're looking for and it will pull up any relevant organizations in your community that are offering those type of services, whether it's food resources, uh, medical resources, whatever it is, crisis assistance, things like that, it will pull that up. Each state has their own 211 that's supported by an organization um, that can be helpful as well. They also, some states typically have a 211 uh, number that a, a rep will answer and they'll give you information about particular services in your community. But the easiest way is just Go to 211.org. Uh, it'll have a drop-down on the very the very uh, beginning page. It'll have a drop-down of where you're looking for, what state, what city. And then it'll ask you to choose uh, any particular service you're looking for. So that I would always direct people to that. It's Again, I said don't try to reinvent the wheel. There are places out there that have lists of resources that you could use as a reference 
to begin that community needs assessment, to begin those relational connections, to begin reaching out to those people. So, And the last resource that I would highly recommend is known as NAMI. Um, it stands for uh, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And uh, they have different state-level um, offices and things like that. Um, you can go to NAMI, I believe it's NAMI.org. Yes, NAMI.org. And uh, they have support groups in your area for uh, different varying types of topics. They have hotlines. They have supported resources, things like that. So I would recommend checking them out. Um, each state, I think, has their own. I'm not sure where each state has them. as depending on where their offices are, but they offer a lot of supportive services. So recommend that website, too, and we'll put all these uh, resources in the show notes for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I know, I know NAMI also has a lot of... Um, just statistics and information on mental health and, you know, kind of, you know, help people really understand, like, I mean, just the gravity of what mental health is and how it affects people on a huge scale. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's those statistics and those kind of studies, like, really help you kind of frame this on, you know, the seriousness of caring about these things right um so yeah man that's good stuff um guys um we're so um just excited to be back um ready to dig into season three get some good content out for you guys um as always we hope you enjoyed this episode we hope um, you feel a little bit um empowered and equipped to go out and care for people well to jump onto the continuum of care and walk alongside people, um, you know, see healing and freedom in people's lives because that's that's our goal here. That's our goal here. So you guys are equipped and other people um, are resourced and, and find healing and find freedom. Um, so as always, subscribe, um, leave us a review if you enjoyed it, share it with a friend, and we will catch you guys on the next episode.